Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by a very special guest today. He is a senior NBA beat writer for The Athletic covering the Pistons. James Edwards, how are you doing? Doing well, man. Appreciate you having me on. Appreciate you uh, coming on the pod. I've been a big fan of yours for a while. Um, love your work with the Pistons and just covering that team. And it's been very interesting to watch them over the past couple of years. Well, I appreciate the kind words. It was nice to meet you. I think it was either was the OKC's home game or did we meet at the combine? It was uh, at the home game. At the home game. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it was nice to meet you. I had seen your name, seen your work. So appreciate you coming up. And yeah, man, I, I was looking forward to this. Nice. Well, we're going to ask you about the, the hard hitting questions here. Number one, I'm sure this was on your mind. Eugene Omarui experience and reaction to him celebrating with the Thunder after that game. <laughs> um, I could understand why Pistons fans were maybe upset about it. Uh, to me, I would argue like, how long was he in OKC? Was it two years? Um, I think it was just this year, but he was with their G League program for a while, and it was like up well, and that's down. What I meant. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like their program was it two years? Or uh, just a year? it, I think it might have been just a year, but. They all loved him. Yeah. And like, I mean, you build relationships. I'm sure they were all happy to see him playing. Um, I don't know the story. Like, I don't know if they like forced him to take the photo with them. I don't know. It wasn't like that big of a deal to me, but I could understand why like fans were maybe a little peeved about it. I know Thunder fans thought it was hilarious. I know a lot of Thunder fans who still have it as their banner on Twitter. Just that picture of all of them posted up posing for some (laughs) picture. But uh, that was fun. And then, yeah, it was um, fun getting that game. I remember J-Dub, Jalen Williams said, he goes, hopefully with Eugene here, he can finally pick up all his clothes that he's left at my house. So uh, <laughs> very nice. But also wanted to get your opinion on um, Shea, you know, first team All-NBA, averaged 31, 5, 5.5 on 51, 45, 91 shooting splits. He had what many would call, you know, his breakout season. I just wanted to ask, how do you view Shea and how do you think people outside of OKC view him? I love Shay. Um, not to pat myself on the back, but Vinny Goodwill can confirm this. I was calling Shay a top ten player in December, an MVP candidate in December. I don't know if I'm sure OKC fans probably were at that point, but I don't know if the national narrative had gotten there. Um, and top ten player, as in top ten during last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Shay. The pace in which he plays, the style um and the style uh, the style on and off the off the floor in which he plays i actually and i don't know if this would be considered a hot take but it's just the way i view awards if i i didn't have a vote this year i I turned it down i don't i voted last year and i just wanted to do it once i don't really care for voting because everything that's attached to it yeah i would have voted shea mvp um to me, most valuable player is, yeah, you could go for the best player, the the combination of stats and winning team, but with all due respect, and I hope OKC fans don't hate me, that team's not a, anywhere close to a play-in team without Shea. He raised the ceiling significantly. They were over 500 or exactly 500? I think they were uh, one game below. I think they were like 40 and 42. Like That's absurd, Yeah, uh, given how young and just where that roster was like not great front court depth not a great bench but Shay obviously J Dub Giddy but I would have voted Shay MVP I uh, to me I think we need to normalize 
voting for the best player on the team that exceeds expectations. And I don't think anybody exceeded expectations more than, I mean, you got, I guess you could say the Kings have a, have a, obviously a really good uh, say in that conversation. But for me, OKC finishing the year 40 and 42 was just not expected. And Shea was the best player on that team by far, one of the top 10 players in the league. Um, I just, I love everything about Shea. And I I grew up a Clippers fan, so I always kind of kept tabs like on the Clippers and obviously was excited when they got Shea. And uh, yeah, just big fan of the way he plays. And I know we'll probably talk about the Pistons here soon, but if Cade can kind of take that similar leap that Shea did, I think the <clears throat> the Pistons will be in pretty good shape. To backpack off that, yeah, Shea, the Thunder were the second youngest team in NBA history last year, only behind the Thunder the year before. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. And so, go ahead. Yeah, I just I just was absolutely they were fun to watch. Shea was fun to watch. Again, I think we need to normalize voting for the best player on the team that exceeds expectations, even if they're technically a, a losing team record wise. Uh they don't even come anywhere near 500 if Shea is not as phenomenal as he was a season ago. Well, a guy I know that you've mentioned on the Bun and Cardigan pods that kind of reminds me of this conversation who even mentioned with the MVP, there's certain MVP criteria, and that's Devin Booker, who's gone through a lot of the same things. But I think they're Mm -hmm. in a similar vein where it's like there are some empty number guys, but you can see with them, they're not doing it like 35 points in a blowout where it's all in garbage time. Right. It's not a, yeah, I mean, a lot of their, if there were, when there were garbage or not garbage, if there, if, when there were big performances and big losses, it was them just trying to keep the head above water. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, in, in Devin Booker's case, like when you got to score 50 and 40 to even just lose by 20, of course, you're going to take a hit defensively. And I always thought that he got a bad rap on that end, which was understandable, I guess, at the time, just given how bad the team was and he wasn't anywhere near as engaged defensively as he is now, but when your team's winning 18 games and you have to score so much on offense, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be exerting a ton of energy on defense either. And not to say that Shea never did ever did that, but I mean, I think he just has all the tools and I think even the jumper can continue to get better. Um, I think he's just going to, he's just going to be so good. And I don't, I, I don't think last year was a fluke. I really don't. I don't think so either. I think the main thing that Thunder fans want to see from him is the the three ball and just seeing him shoot more of those. I mean, he went down to like two and a half attempts per game last year. And then people are seeing him with Team Canada shoot like five or six a game and like wondering why is this happening there and not with the Thunder. But that's about it for him. Yeah. And I, and I would say it could be something that he's cognizant of and wanted to emphasize this offseason. He has a, a funky jump shot in the sense that it's not like the quickest release. So I could imagine when you get to the NBA, it's even different than international play. The time to get that shot off is not easy. Shea doesn't have the the quick release to cross over as he pull up. Like it's just not how his shot is. So I, I mean, again, it looks like he probably worked on it. Um, it looks like something he's going to work into his game. But I mean, if that's the only nitpick for the guy, then he's OKC fans are going to be pretty happy. Absolutely. Shea off the court, you know, he's known for his fashion, like you mentioned. You were the first ever Thunder Buddies guest who has appeared on League Fits and the only reporter to do it. Wanted to know Thank out- you for saying that. Thank Absolutely. You. It's it's a high ranking title. I'm surprised it wasn't first in your Twitter bio. <laughs> it's it's a goofy, it's a goofy little tidbit, but one I'm proud of. But outside of Shea, who has the best style or drip on the Thunder and who has the most on the Pistons? 
in your opinion, Ooh, expert good opinion. Question. Um, I mean, on the Thunder, J J Dub. I mean, there's stuff I like I wouldn't wear per mm-hmm. se, but like he has good style. Um, I actually like Giddy's. I forgot what what did Giddy pull? Was it he had that rookie? like giant Justin Bieber coat at like All Star? Yeah, the all white. Or was it all white? I think he had that one time, and then he had like a giant blue, like mink coat looking thing. Yeah, the blue got. one. Yeah, that was fresh. I, I was a fan of that. Um, on the Pistons, see, I'm a big sneaker guy, so like, I, I, um, Cade dresses well. Corey Joe, well, he's not on the Pistons anymore. Corey Joseph like dressed well, clean cut. Um, Isaiah Stewart. Pull some stuff out. Rodney Magruder, who's the free agent. Um, there's a couple guys that dress well, like Livers dresses well. There's a couple guys, but I'll I'll go I'll go Cade's Cade and Stu. Sounds like that it's open though, and you got a lot of young guys who haven't gotten the money hit yeah, their bank coming. account yet, and that's yeah, whenever exactly. it usually flies out. <laughs> Isaiah Stewart, now that he signed the extension, it's gonna get it's gonna get interesting. Well, speaking of kind of like divisive things, arguing about stuff, Lou Dort has been a divisive figure for Thunder fans who look at his spot in the starting lineup, and it's kind of obvious it's the most replaceable spot because you have Chet, J-Dub, Giddy, Shea on the other ones. You know, mm-hmm. he's uh, had some issues with like, like his shooting. I just wanted to get your perspective because sometimes you can just be too close to the team and overanalyze a guy's faults and forget what he's good at. Yeah, and 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 I, I think that's a very good point that you just made. Uh when you're so close and you're paying attention to every little thing, like and you're watching every second of every game, you can get fixated on a certain thing and kind of change your opinion on a guy. To me, Lou, um, is he a starter? I don't know, but he's a guy that I think you want when it comes playoff time. Um, if I'm not mistaken, led the league in offensive char on uh charge calls or uh, getting charges yeah guys hitting moving screens on him i think he led the yeah. league in that yeah yeah i think he gets a lot of charges um the way he has a versatile body in terms of like he's not tall obviously not short but stocky can guard multiple positions um if i'm not mistaken the shot has come along a lot better than when he early in his career like that to me those are guys that you you start to see their value like in the playoffs and Isaiah Stewart is one in Detroit who I think Pistons fans will start to see if they question what he is on this team I think they would see the value when playoff time came right like a guy who can guard multiple positions knock down an open shot uh, low maintenance I, I think you need guys like that when it comes to the playoffs and obviously I didn't even get to like the toughness part um which you definitely need in the playoffs. Like who wants to go against Lou Dort for seven straight games? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in, in the, in the kind of draw of the regular season when it's, 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 it feels like everything's stagnated or it's drawn out. Like, of course I could see where, why people are a little iffy on Lou Dort, but I, I think that's a guy you want to roll with into the postseason. And again, I don't know if he's a starter on a good team, um, but I definitely think he's a, a, top seven eight rotation player on a good team at the very least i think the biggest questions thunder fans have are not the shot specifically but just shot selection and his usage because on some of those teams last couple years where there's just not many great guys on the roster he had to do a lot 
And now as they add more and more players, it's like, can you put the toothpaste back in the tube and ask him to be the guy he kind of was on that Chris Paul team? I think you can. Uh, I don't know much about Lou uh, in terms of like personality. I I feel like the things I've seen have been like positive. Like he seems like a guy who wants to win and in team first. I've never, I mean, I've been around him, but I haven't like been in on an interview with him Mm -hmm. or anything like that. So I can't really speak to that with uh, as much certainty as I might be able to with other Pistons guys. But I mean, I think so. Like also it's just like going to happen naturally. Right. Um, Shea's going to have the ball. Giddy's going to have the ball. J-Dub's going to have the ball. And then here comes Chet. Like he's just naturally going to get less touches, whether or not um, it's, it's planned or not. And then as far as Giddy, he's a guy who isn't super athletic, not a freak that way, not flashy handles, not an elite shooter or a stopper on defense, but he's extremely productive at, you know, a super young age. I think he's like six months younger than Asar even. Uh, or older, older, sorry, but yeah. looks to project as an elite passer and great size for position, great rebounder in his po- uh, for his position and keeps improving. Just wanted to get your opinion on Josh. Yeah, I've, I think I issued my formal apology was either on Twitter or the podcast, my Bun and Cardigan show. Um, I, I think I owe Thunder fans this on, on the Thunder podcast. I apologize. I was... I was wrong on Josh Giddy. My hate lasted a little too long. And it and it was rooted in just my first impression of him, impression of him was Summer League, uh, his rookie year. And he just looked and I use this, I've I've said this joke before. I think I tweeted it and people have like latched on, latched onto it. He looks like when he dribbles, he looks like a stick figure playing basketball. Like mm-hmm. there's just it's like the tin man without oil. And I'm just like this guy's not gonna i don't understand the pick i didn't understand how he's gonna survive he just did not look like he was at all comfortable on an nba floor um and again this is why you don't take things away from summer league and then the season comes and then the second season comes and just the 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 way he sees the game his size for the position um i think he's going to be a productive regular season player my question with him is do some of his flaws show up in the postseason? Um, and that's when he's when defenses are like locked in. Is the handle a little bit more of a struggle? Is the shooting more of an issue? Um, I have to eat my words, and very clearly, Giddy has shown to be a good NBA regular season player, um, and obviously a, a, a starter rotation. Like he's an NBA player, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't sure of even that when I just watched him at summer league and early on in his rookie year. And so I've, I've eaten my words on that, but I, I think it's legitimate to have questions about him in the postseason, given kind of how postseason basketball is tighter defense, more intense. Um, he's going to have guys in his shirt. Is he going to be able to dribble out of that? Is he going to be able to, to knock down open shots? So Good player. I still do have like just one or two more lingering questions, but I'm not going to harp on it because I was too hard on Josh Giddy early on. So, um, Josh, if you're listening to this, I apologize. Your your mink coats were fly. You can play. Thunder fans, if you saw my original Giddy dribbles like a stick figure, I apologize to you guys. He's been uh, he's been a player, man. He's he's been fun to watch. That's absolutely fair. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of bend in how he just moves. He's very straight yeah, up. <laughs> 
It's so weird, man. I don't understand how it works. I still don't get it. He doesn't have like elite handles, like I said earlier, but that is something. Those are valid concerns. I think he still needs to work on. And then defensively, I'm not as concerned because he doesn't have like he's really physical and big already at 20 and he's long and you have four other guys who can defend around him. So I'd be more worried if they had no other defenders and they could really target him. But yeah, I think the shot is coming along and hopefully, you know, we can see improvement with that. But Team USA select J-Dub and Chet were up there. Um, I know that you've heard a lot of things around Cade and we'll get to that later, but just wanted to hear any thoughts that you had about Chet or J-Dub or things you heard out of Team USA. Yeah, I mean, to be to be fair, I, I hadn't I've only asked around about Cade and, and Duran. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't hear much about Chet and, and, and uh, Williams. It's those are two guys I really like, though. Um, I just think J-Dub is what he's been able to do. Um, what he did last year, just I liked him in college first. Let me start there out of Santa Clara. Like I was a big fan of his doing the obviously I cover the Pistons. So you do a lot of draft prep uh, starting in like March <laughs> just to just to get geared up for the for the summer and big fan of his game and to see it all translate almost immediately and not immediately. It took a little bit, but he certainly like quickly found his footing in the NBA and uh, to see it translate was great. And it looks like he's put on a little bit like more muscle. There's that confidence there. I think he's going to be a really, really good player. Um, and then Chet, all the tools in the world to be one of the best big men in the league. Uh, I think it's obviously, I know it's been beaten like a like a drum, but you want to see how the frame holds up against NBA guys. Uh, you want to see the, the endurance. You want to see how he's able to hold up physically uh, against the league's best, right? So I I think he has all the tools I was – I think watching him at summer league this year, and again, I should probably stop making any type of opinions off summer league. One thing that did concern me with Chet is the lack of lift around the rim at times. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think that gets you by at summer league, but I wonder if he struggles around the rim a little bit more than people anticipate given his size and length and wingspan like the there I don't know maybe I, you've watched more more closely than I did it is that a concern that thunder fans have just like his lack of and it could just be again conditioning and getting back into the swing of things but I was really surprised by like the lack of lift he had uh around the rim well you talk in the button cardigan show a lot about how you play and I play some and um to me, what it looks like with Chet is that he's in shape, but not in basketball shape, like to go Fair. get shots up and to like go play defense on an end and run back and forth and then go do something. I think he's still Much working different. his way into that. And that's fair. And I assume that's probably what it was. Uh, but that was like my only like nitpick from summer league. Otherwise, I loved everything. I saw the shot blocking, the grab and go, the the potential as a shooter. Uh, I just again, you got to see how the body holds up. Uh, over uh, NBA season, and I, I do want to see if his length and uh, his craftiness around the rim is what I think it can be, though I do have a little bit of concerns, again, about the lack of lift, but I'm I'm curious to find out if that was more so just getting into basketball shape. Hopefully so. I mean, it's been beaten to death, guys say. They have that dog in them, but I love the attitude that Chet has as a rim mm-hmm. protector where he's just not afraid to get dunked on at all. I just want to get Not your thoughts on that. I I actually did a story a few years ago um, on on Andre Drummond 
and the premise of it was like essentially the story was not being afraid to get dunked on right Mm -hmm. like you have to get to that point and i think he talked if i can recall andre said like early on in his career that was like something he like obviously thought about and then as he got older like and again chet has tremendous upside as a shot blocker i'm not comparing the two but psychologically there's you can talk to any big man across the league and i'm sure that's a battle that they that they fought and i think to be a great shot blocker you have to not care about social media and the memes and all that stuff like you're going to get dunked on it's just part of the game you're going to get dunked on but you're also going to block a lot of shots and to be a great rim protector first and foremost you have to not care about that stuff and chet clearly doesn't chet is is it looks like mentally is a strong kid and um uh, like you said has that dog in him and i think that goes a long way and i think the best rim protectors in this league are not afraid to get dunked on and are not afraid to look quote unquote goofy or whatever social media those are the best rim protectors in this league um and i think chet has that makeup for sure yeah you're playing against the best players in the entire world if you're on the perimeter if you're playing defense you're going to get crossed and probably dropped at some point if you're playing interior yeah. you're going to get dunked on that's just how it yep. is and no, then, 100%. It's just part of the game. Mm-hmm. And then I just wanted to get your expectations for Chet just going in. Oh, also one last thing on shot blocking. I wish there was some type of stat about like just dunks on versus shots blocked so we can have like a percentage for these guys. So it's not just you see the one dunk on a guy. You can see it's like every time that somebody goes and tries to dunk on this guy, they have about like a 20% success rate. I don't know. Right. No, I think that's a good point. I- like just to kind of draw a parallel i always i don't know if how many of you listeners listen to rap but everybody always says uh eminem killed jay-z on renegade mm-hmm. and i remember jay-z saying once he's like okay if eminem did beat me i've won my fair share and it's the same thing kind of with dunking and shot blocking right like we're all going to remember the the nasty poster somebody got but if we're being honest with ourselves the shot blocker wins in totality more than he gets gets dunked on so that mentality goes a long way, and I, I truly do believe the best shot blockers in this league don't care about the memes and things like that, and uh, it shows. Not at all. Um, I just want to get your expectations for Chet. I know that for Thunder fans, they've kind of thought themselves into a paralysis uh, and probably raised their expectations too high from wearing out the film, watching that Summer League tape over the last couple of years. Just mm-hmm. outside looking in, what do you think? Because I've heard people all over the spectrum from he's going to get hit with the screen and just explode like somebody a lego game i've heard that (laughs) he's uh going to dominate the league and be one of the best 10 centers so it just from the outside looking in as somebody who hasn't kind of fallen into the thunder propaganda of being a fan what do you think yeah i mean i think he's gonna i think he he's gonna be in in the race for rookie of the year obviously having a year in the league learning his team's philosophies learning up close, like the physicality, not going in blind necessarily. Right. I think that that'll help him a ton. I do think he's going to struggle because he's never played against the Embiid's of the world, the Zubox of the world, like just big body guys that he's going to have to guard and, and, and be physical with. And that's going to wear him down. I think there is a, there very much is, and you can talk to any young player in this league, an adjustment to not only the NBA schedule, and when I say schedule, I mean flying, getting up early, getting home at 4 a.m., 3 a.m. That's draining, but on top of that, going up against 
the fastest, the strongest guys every single night and getting accustomed to that. That takes time and your legs are going to be sore guarding. Uh, I don't know. Insert Steven Jaren Adams Jackson. and Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, exactly. Like and then that that's going to make your legs noodly if you have a back to back to try to shoot the ball the next night. Like, so he's going to struggle just because of his frame. Like, and I'm not saying like, he's going to be like struggle. Um, like he's going to get hurt or he's going to be like physically outmatched. I'm saying he's going to go against the most physical guys on the floor every single night. And that's just going to take a toll on you. And that takes a little bit of getting adjusting to. So I think he obviously is going to be in rookie of the year race. I don't think he'll be like an all-star or anything. Um, I think he'll look like an NBA rookie, but I think mentally he'll look maybe a little bit more progressed than other rookies. Cause he's, like I said, he's been able to be around an NBA organization for a year, even though he didn't play. But physically, there is an adjustment that's going to come, and uh, he's not going to be the exception. Yeah, he's going to have his rookie moments. That's just point blank what's going to happen. Uh, I'm really excited because he has an NBA-ready skill, I think, as a rim protector. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean he's going to yep. be one of the best, but it's a reason to keep him on the floor while the offense kind of catches up. Yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised if you saw like a uh, Evan Mobley-type mm-hmm. season from, from Chad. Like I think close builds, um, both have shot-blocking instincts. I think Chet's a little bit of a better shot blocker. I think Mobley's maybe a little bit better in space as a defender, at least from and there's more of a sample size. Um, I could see very similar stats between those two or rookie Mobley and, and Chet this year. Absolutely. Next up, J-Dub, 6'6", nearly seven foot three wingspan. He has roughly a plus nine in wingspan, only trailing Walker Kessler, Taylor Horton Tucker uh, in terms of length ratio from height to wingspan. Just wanted to get your opinion on him because he's a guy who has like some less than giddy, a more kind of projectable skill set and kind of build. Yeah, I I have no questions that J-Dub's going to be like a 15 point per game score at minimum in this league. And I think we could see it. How much did he average last year? Um, At the end of the season, it was around 15, but I'll pull that up right now. Yeah, so I think he'll safely be at 15. Like I honestly, I I think they're going to work him in more this year. And I think he you could see a lot of secondary stuff with him, maybe more so than um, the ball is going to be obviously in Shea and Giddy's hands, but I could see maybe some Giddy touches being taken away in, in order to in, to work in more J Dub, uh, whether it's pick and roll or I don't, I don't, they don't maybe isolation type stuff. Like I just think mm-hmm. J Dub has shown enough that you want to try to utilize him. Um, and I mean the best thing for him is that he can play with the ball, he can play off the ball. Like Giddy's issue is not a great shooter so do you how many minutes do you play him and Shea if Shea's going to be the most dominant guy on the floor right and it's good to have multiple ball handlers I'm not saying that but in that situation Giddy's going to have to take and shoot open threes where that's not a strength but J-Dub can play if they were going to do get Shea's on the bench and it's Giddy J-Dub or Giddy's on the bench it's Shea J-Dub like J-Dub just fits in so many different lineups and I think that's the beauty of what he does is um, he's probably the most like bendable player on the roster outside of Shea because he does so many things well doesn't need the ball but can ball out with it can ball out without it I'm a big fan and I think he's gonna like flirt around like 15 points a game this year and eventually probably be close to a 20 point scorer in the next few years yeah he was at 14 this year the highest compliment I can pay to him is just if you're a basketball fan but not really focused on the NBA you would you would have no idea that guy was a rookie playing out there right. you would think he'd yep. be in the league for like four or five years agreed I, I agree and i think he has a perfect blend of you mentioned earlier wingspan 
just frame, athleticism, and then obviously skill. Like it all, he's got the whole package. It's just a matter of of them figuring it out as a team, just to make sure everybody's involved. But I mean, if he turns into your, I mean, there's going to be a time if everybody, if it all breaks right for the Thunder and Shea continues to be what we think he can be, and Chet becomes what people think he can be, like J Dub as a third option on a team is like overqualified as overqualified gets like I, I mean there's a world where i mean he's still so young that the case like maybe there's a world where he's the best player on a good team down the line right like is there a hardened situation where in a couple of years where he's like okay i think i can be the best player on a team like i I'm not trying to wish that on yeah. okc fans again but i i think it's that type of trajectory like you naturally just think of j-dub is like oh man we got him as our third option or two b or whatever like well it's so young like he's so young that maybe he's like could be the best player on a good team i i just think he's got still untapped potential um and even if he's reached or maxed out his potential it's a damn good third option it's almost like in 2k where you wanted to sim it for the next two years and just see where these guys are at (laughs) because there's a case for any of these guys to be the second best player behind shea and a couple of them to even better than shea but hopefully he can get that team usa bump speaking of which Cade Cunningham was the story of the Team USA select camp, being the quote-unquote Luca for scrimmages and scout team runs, and was the best player on the floor, reportedly, among the select team and the main team. Just wanted mm-hmm. to get your initial thoughts on Cade. Uh, so, I mean, a couple things with that. For those of us who, I mean, I, I've watched every second of, of every game of Cade's career, up close and personal, and obviously not everything has been uh, peaches and cream, like obviously the injuries, uh the three-point shooting hasn't translated yet, but if you've watched Cade and you've watched the Pistons, you know how good this guy's going to be. Um, and you know how good, how solid to good he's been already, despite playing with an injured shin most like that's been bothering him since high school and the three ball still not translating, which is eventually it's going to translate. He's He shot 40% in college. Like he's not going to be a 30% three-point shooter in the NBA. Um, I, 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 I'm just not surprised that he that he shined out there. I don't know if, if Thunder fans have seen him. Well, the real photos he's put on actual like muscle, like the fat stuff that's and been not out the one not where true. he looks like Moses or anything. Yeah, yeah, that stuff's not real. Like he's put on actual muscle, and it, you saw it like during the season. Um, but to me, what's the most important thing for Pistons fans to come out of that, aside from like Cade being healthy in August after not after getting cleared not that long ago to play. Uh, obviously looks like his conditioning is where it's at skills. Like I'm sure he's probably, he feels rusty maybe in some spots, but it doesn't appear that way. But the biggest thing to me is, and I was talking with Sam Vecini about this, the Pistons need somebody with superstar potential. Cade's the guy on the team with that. Right. And I don't think people realize that of everybody on the select team and on the main team, Cade was the most, uh, uh, celebrated highly regarded prospect mm-hmm. out of anybody on either team he's the one that was the safest or not the safest but the one that everybody looked at and was like this guy's gonna be something like the 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 margin for error is wider with him than it is for other guys um the floor is higher with him than it is with other guys so the fact that he went out there and obviously, Joe Varden, who I work with at The Athletic, did two stories on how good he was. I texted people, found out like just how good he was. The fact that he ended up being one of the two best players out there 
is important for the Pistons' pursuit of getting a potential superstar player. I think people forget how either forget or aren't into the draft stuff enough to know like Cade was considered one of the better high floor, high ceiling prospects like prior to Wimby in quite some time. Um, and I think it's a good sign that the superstardom, the 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 beams are showing amongst his peers that are also in their early 20s. And there's a couple first number one picks, a couple number three picks, number fives, guys that have proven themselves in the league like Jalen Brunson. Um, I think that's very important because the Pistons, they don't need – if Cade's good, great, but they need Cade to be great, not, not good, right? So uh, I think that's a great sign for uh, w- what's ahead. Yeah, they need him to be the guy, but Victor was definitely easy number one. Last year, Paolo, it was draft day. People still didn't know what was yeah, going to happen. Right. And the year right. before uh, that, there was stuff, um, or that wasn't the year. That was uh, Cade. No, it was, was Cade, but um, even years prior to that, you have like Anthony Edwards. Very yep. crazy stuff where it doesn't look like it. Cade was the ultimate safe guy. I remember being in college on a show, and I called him the total package because you can just put him in any situation and ask him to do it, and he's going to be pretty good at it. You want him to defend, yep. fine, play off the ball, on the ball, shoot, whatever. He's going to be pretty good at it, although you want the ball in his hands. He just mm-hmm. seems like one of those winning players. Yep, plug and play, play anywhere, right mentality, right mindset. Uh, I think Cade, Cade's probably going to be... I think Cade wins most improved this year or comeback player. I don't know which he'll win one of those awards if they still have the comeback player. Hopefully. Uh, what do you think needs to be the biggest improvement in his game going into year three? Obviously, health and availability is the best ability you can have. But just in terms of the on court stuff, what do you think he needs to take the biggest leap in? Yeah, I think it's a three point shooting. Um, his ability to get into the lane has been fine. His mid range, if you look. Uh, right before he went out last year, the guy was shooting over 50% on mid-range like he was in DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Durant territory. Um, he went to the mid-range instead of going all the way to the rim and challenging big men at trees, which helped get his field goal percentage up, helped, just helped him get more into a rhythm. He wasn't always challenging these guys at the rim that he shouldn't be challenging. He'd stop and get to his mid-range, which he comfortably knocks down. Good passer, good defender. Needs to, to chill there relax on the turnovers but that's like not like a pressing thing i think the shooting is the biggest thing just simply the three-point shooting because we i think most people believe he's going to be a good three-point shooter um i've talked to him like about it not long ago wondering if like the shin injury impacted his ability to shoot from three and he said no he's like i'm just still getting used to it he's like it's an adjustment like it's not it's much different than college so i know that's something that he's emphasized for a while um, and something that I, I'm sure he went in aside from rehabbing, but has also put a lot of work in. So if he can become a, uh, I don't want to put like a percentage on it because like, if you look at Trey young, Trey young percentage wise is not a quote unquote, great three point shooter, but he shoots high volume. Yeah. You just, if Cade can be like a 35, 36, 37% three point shooter on five, six, seven, three pointers a game that changes a lot of things for the Pistons. Yeah, high volume, but roughly league average, I think is fair. Yeah, and I and I think he's very capable of that. You mentioned two guys in Kevin Durant and Devin Booker who love the mid-range, who were coached by Monty Williams, who's now with the Pistons. How do you think mm-hmm. he can help Cade in his game and growth? I think it's a it's a perfect match. Perfect match. I mean, obviously, Monty is is not opposed to to the mid-range if you're a a, a high efficient shooter from there and. 
Cade, like I said, if you go look at some of the numbers right before he went down, like I think the seven games before, he only played 12 last year, but if you look at the seven games before it, over 50% in the mid-range showed flashes of high 40s, low 50s as a rookie from the mid-range. Like there's going to be, I think you're going to see off-ball stuff. I think he's going to be used very similar to, to Devin Booker with a little bit more ball handling duties. Um, I just think Monty is going to put him in situations where he can utilize that mid-range and they can get good looks because it is such a high percentage shot for them. And um, I, that was kind of like my first thing, like Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, three of the best mid-range shooters the game's had in the last decade. And for Cade, who's looks to be on a possible trajectory to be one of those better mid-range shooters, like that's a, they're going to find ways to utilize that and, and, and make use of it. So I think it'll open up the floor for a lot of people um, because like I said, when you shoot that at a high percentage, teams will respect it and teams will defend it. Um, and it op- and that's a way to open up the floor a little bit more. And yeah. Teams teams don't just give mid-range shots to to slouches. If you're a legitimate mid-range shooter, they will try to defend it. Yeah, it used to be in the older NBA in the 90s and 80s that anyone could shoot the mid-range. Now it's just you got to be one of the main guys, unless you're Sean Livingston, like 2016 to shoot those My shots favorite player yeah I love, love sean, sean livingston played with the thunder for like had a cup of coffee here for a little bit but yes, um he did yeah drafting people over players troy weaver was with the thunder and sam Presti for a while now he's the gm of the pistons i know that that's something that he's mentioned as well i just wanted to get your perspective on that because a lot of teams like you might see this in houston it's just best talent available best talent available but these guys they they look for people too yeah and I know Pistons fans are probably tired of me saying this, and maybe some people don't believe me, but there isn't a player that Troy hasn't brought in or drafted that's just not like a just a very good young man. Like, I don't know if people only know about Isaiah Stewart and the LeBron incident, but I wrote the column after just to try to give people a peek into like, this guy is not the maniac you saw running on TV. He's legitimately one of the nicest human beings you will ever meet. Um, then you go to like Cade, like that's one of the reasons they went Cade number one, just the way he carries himself, the, the they need those leaders. They needed those leadership qualities, qualities at those times. Cade is, if Cade becomes a top 10 player, I'm set for life because he is that good of a, of a, first of all, a dude that good of a speaker that good with the media. Like I'm set if Cade becomes a top 10 player, but even Jalen Duran, wise beyond his years, Jaden Ivey. Just a good dude. Uh, Isaiah Livers, great guy, smart. Um, you could go down the list. Killian Hayes, nice guy. Sadiq Bay, no longer there, but nice, smart guy. Um, Mark Asar Thompson is like the nicest kid, mm-hmm. uh, almost shy in a way. Marcus Sasser, another one. They really take pride in that. They, of course, they got to be able to play ball. Um, but I think for the Pistons, and it sounds like the Thunder. There's a type that they like to draft, and there's also like good. Say this guy's a B plus player, but he's a knucklehead, and this guy's a B minus player, and he's a great kid. They're going to go the B minus player. That's a great kid because they believe that guys who work, um, guys who have certain type of mindsets, end up surpassing those guys. So, yeah, I, I feel like I say it all the time, and people are like, "Okay, not all of these guys can be that nice." I, I wish you could spend as much time around them as I do because you would learn that. They're legitimately just some really nice guys. We've had and not in a bad way, like not like pushovers, but like they know they're competitive, but they know like they just know when it, they're not playing, they know how to treat people right. I've had a Thunder player open a door for me at the arena. 
and hold the door open for me. And I'm like, you don't, I, I should be doing this. And like right. one time we were watching a game in the media room afterwards. It was a McDonald's All-American. J-Dub like comes in there, doesn't tell everybody to move off the couch so he can sit down. He just stands in the back, just hangs out with us for a little bit, talks to us. I, yeah. I think that's hugely important. And it's definitely something fans should be excited about that these are good guys. And like you mentioned, they're not skipping over talent. They're not just going on a personality test and then drafting. I mean, the Thunder, when they drafted Steven Adams, I still laugh to this day. The number one thing that the scout said, they're like, he has a great personality. And I was like, well, that, what are we we doing with this? (laughs) And he turns out to be a great center. But just having the right attitude, being guys who work hard, who are team-oriented and good culture, I think can definitely just insulate your guys and help be a great environment to grow. Yeah, and I think that was one thing at this point or the last few years, I guess, for the Pistons too, that being, they knew that they were, the front office knew they were going to struggle. They knew they were going to have a bunch of young guys. Having guys with a certain personality to be able to weather that and not blow up and not explode and not, and see the bigger picture. Uh, that was very important to Troy Weaver to have guys with the type of mindset like, okay, I hate losing right now. It sucks but I understand where we're going and it's not going to like, you're not going to blow up the locker room uh, because you're a bunch of 20 year olds, 19 year olds losing uh, 30, 40 basketball games, 50 basketball games. We've kind of talked around to SAR. I wanted to get to him. You mentioned his personality and just some of the stuff going on with him. He's becoming an NBA favorite for people like myself who just, I don't know. It's like the meme. He's just like me for real. Whenever they do like the hoop grid and they know all these guys like, him and a men went back and forth talking about players who had names starting with a and they got to poku and i was like oh these guys are sick yeah, but just there was i think one of them said like elise johnson and, yeah and yeah, just was, crazy stuff like that but you had a recent story about asar that was just made me laugh out loud about some of the stuff going on with him about his work ethic and just his his love for the game yeah i mean they're both their middle name there's we have like a little running joke but i think both their middle names are like letters like it's like XMD, like it's a SAR XMD Thompson, or I don't know exactly the the letters, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like almost like they were built in a laboratory, uh, because of the name and just the way that they carry themselves. Obviously, twins, they have a different look about them, uh, but they're like basketball junkies, man. And like you mentioned, there's clips out there of them just like showing how much they study the game. But even like, like, yeah, in my story, just the SAR couldn't get into his high school gym down in Florida recently. So he went and worked out at a park outside. Um, the fact that he would watch film of three on three and five on five games during the pre-draft process that he just played. Um, he's being around him. He He's a very smart kid. Um, sneaky, funny. And I it, watching him play at summer league and again it's just summer league the just i just when you get when you cover the nba uh, you start to build an an affection for guys who do things that seem trivial but once you're around the nba you realize they're like like not a lot of guys in the nba cut yeah like i don't think people know that like it's as trivial as it sounds to us there are, like I think Paul George on his recent podcast, like I can't cut. Yeah, I don't like, know. There how. are a lot of guys. Yeah, I don't know how to cut. So like Asar knowing how to cut, going to average ten rebounds from the three spot, um, understanding 
kick ahead passes and and finding guys in transition, being able to hand a ball. Like he's just a, he makes winning plays and you just learn to really appreciate those like glue guy, winning play guys in this league because so many people, so many people in this league, I don't know how to say it, but that's my favorite thing is when a guy realizes he's not going to be a star, how does he adapt to that? And Asar can be a star. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like right now, Asar does those things that guys later in their career start to do because they realize, oh, I'm not going to be this. How do I keep my career going? And you just learn to appreciate those type of guys. More like Reggie Bullock, for example, never a guy that was going to be a star, but cuts well, hits the open three, defends. Like every team wants those guys. KCP helped. I mean, he's you can make the case he was the second and a half best player in the bubble on the Lakers title, yeah. right? Just does the winning play stuff. And every team that wins a title needs those Bruce Brown. Uh, Draymond is the ultimate one. Uh, you go down every champion of the last hell, we could probably do forever. We could yeah. all name one of those guys. And I think Asar has that ilk. Uh, I mean, there's there's room for more. Like if he gets a jump shot, like we're talking about like one of the probably best 15 guys in the league right mm-hmm. um but even without that he'll be fine <laughs> like he'll like i just can't see him not being a one of the five best players on a really good team at some point in his career i just i can't i think you're really gonna like this phrase i heard it from presty talking about case and wallace talking about thunder guys no agenda basketball and that is what Asar is to me he's just trying mm-hmm. to win that's it he's not looking at the stat sheet afterwards and going it's like i only got four shots like i need to get more yep. than that he's just focused on the score at the end of the game yep i agree that's i like that term and then the last thing that i wanted to ask you is just about with asar obviously the biggest question is his shooting um mm-hmm. i don't think david hopla is he still with you guys i know monty williams took over i don't know if he brought in a new staff with shooting just what's your comfortability with Asar's shot going forward? That name doesn't ring a bell, but I'm, I still haven't really been around the staff like that yet. Mm-hmm. The only one I've, I've met regularly is Jarrett Jack. Um, I, I Googled it. It came up for like 2015, so it might just be completely old news. Okay. But. Yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll keep an eye out. I'll check. I, again, I, I probably couldn't name. Hell, I couldn't even name the assistant coaches right now, to be honest with you. I can maybe name like one or two. Um, I am. There's work to go. So to me, and I try to describe it on my podcast, like Clay Thompson has a textbook jump shot that looks natural, right? Mm-hmm. Asar has a textbook jump shot that looks taut. So I don't know if that makes sense to people. Like it's it's very hand on the side. It's just very robotic. Like it looks like fundamentally fine. It looks, but it just looks robotic. It doesn't look natural. But with that said, his jumper, the form is further along than amends. Like he just has a yeah. better looking shot than amends. And I think he shot like 37% from three or 36% from three in the OTE playoffs. Um, he has an advantage in which he's been playing from the NBA three point line the last two years. So in comparison, not to say that other rookies won't like Grady Dick's probably going to shoot better than Asar from three. I'm not saying that, but the adjustment won't be there. Um, and I actually think he's probably going to shoot better than most people think. Like, I would assume most people think he's probably going to be like mid 20s, high 20s. I could see him shooting like 30, 31 percent. Like, I, I don't this, I think he's going to get open looks. I think the having the experience already with the distance and a the, the shot needs more tweaking, but it's like a pretty stable shot. Like, 
I actually think he shoots better when he's in a rush than mm-hmm. when he does when he's wide open. Like it just seems like he's not overthinking it. Um, I, I think he's going to shoot low thirties from three, probably small attempts, but I, I don't think he's going to be as bad of a shooter out the gate as people, as other people do. And I know summer league didn't really back that up, but just the way he, he's very, I think he's very, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for when it comes to his jump shot. I think he's very much focused on, on becoming a good shooter. And, uh, I think he does that, but yeah, I, I, mechanically it's like fine. Like I under, like it, it look, you see it and it looks okay. Like it looks like a, a fundamentally sound jump shot, but there are, it just looks too robotic. It doesn't look natural, which obviously is a big thing for shooters. You, you want it to look natural. You want it to look like clays or it's just effortless. And it, it's still textbook where in comparison to where it's more robotic. So, um, I think he'll eventually become a good shooter. There's probably some small tweaks here and there, but I think he'll be fine. I don't think I'll ever be a great shooter, but if he could be like 33, 34, I think that changes things for him. There's a reason that only clay was really mentioned. There are not a lot of guys who can do that, who look that good and shoot that efficiently. And for him, I would just hope he can mesh it where it's like, even for our jobs, there's some textbook ways that people want you to do it, but also just some style and comfort you want to have. Yeah, exactly. So, I think that's the big thing for me is like, does he have a, is it too, is his jump shot too taut? I guess is the question. Um, Because it looks, the release looks too taut where it's almost, again, it's not picture perfect, but it's like, I'm teaching somebody how to shoot. This is what it would look like for somebody that can't shoot, but learned what it looks like to shoot. Like, I don't know if what I say makes sense, but in my brain it does. So hopefully people understand what I'm saying. It makes sense to me. If anyone has any questions, just DM me. I'll, I'll try to explain for James. <laughs> Thank you. But Thank you. Thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Do you have anything to plug before you get out of here? Because I know that you're working on a variety of things. Like I mentioned, that Asar piece was I really enjoyed. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, if you're into Piston stuff, I got uh, stuff up on The Athletic. Just go, just go there. I'm on Twitter at JL Edwards, III. Uh, I have a podcast, The Bun and Cardigan Show with Nicholas Hankel. We drop every Tuesday. Uh, it's piston centric podcast but during this in the off season we'll maybe do 10 15 minutes on the pistons and then we'll just talk about random things so if you're if you just like what i think is funny and this is how i this is what our podcast is it's essentially the reporter and the fan uh it's like they met at a bar after work and they just shoot so i'm sorry if i can't cuss on here but that's just what it is it's primarily pistons focused during the season we do a lot more pistons talk in the off season we spend like 10 especially right now, like we'll find something to talk about for 10 minutes and then we'll just go on complete tangent. So uh, it's a goofy listen. It's a fun listen. If you haven't checked it out, at least give it, give one episode a listen after you listen to this show, then then go, go on over to Bun and Cardigan. Definitely. I got attached to him just because of my love for Cade, but love the pod. Love your writing. Thanks for coming on your open invite. Anytime you want to come on. I appreciate you, man. It means a lot and uh, hopefully running to you soon. Definitely. Well, thank you everyone for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back again for more Thunder Talk on Friday. Thunder Buddies.